am Del Pilar, and I am the conservative Latino, and I'm here with Big John. He always says Big John, people, but it's supposed to be Big Girthy John. Well, for those porn lovers out there, I guess you could throw in Girthy. That's fair enough. I'll take it. <laughs> Girthy is just that weird, that weird it word is. that kind of sends creeps up in your back. Yeah, it does make me sound like either a porn star, a pedophile, or, or a stalker. I'm not sure which one, but hey, whatever. I'm, I'm willing to go with it. Whatever gets us views, William. I can picture you having, there's this emoji I love using. And for the record, guys who say guys who use emoji aren't men, are you that insecure with your little penis? That you have to sit there and, and make fun of guys who just use emojis. Come on now, you know. Right. Anyway, there's this puzzled look with the eyes open, you know, emoji. Yeah, sits out. I can picture your face going that route if your wife one day says, "Hey, Girthy, how you doing?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. definitely. Yeah. Anyway, John, we've got a bit. We've got a big Girthy show tonight. There you go. Uh, mentoring and pro sports. Hmm. Is one topic when leftists attack ooh. comedians, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and who's watching the Black News Channel? No one. <laughs> gotcha. So we've got three interesting topics tonight, yeah. especially the Black News Channel people. This was John's choice. This happened about a month and a half ago, uh, and in researching it, it was uh, not puzzling, but a little surprising at how little talk there was of uh, of the Black News Channel going under. And I'll be honest, John, I don't know what this means, but there was not one white news station, news media outlet, whatever, right. individuals, all my research, it, it was black groups talking about the demise of one of their channels. And it was an interesting, I don't want to say angle, that, 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 that's a little demeaning. It was an interesting take to see it come from that point of view, right. because culturally speaking, we all look at things differently. I'm, I view things mostly as an American. Every once in a blue moon, I'll view something as Latino. And usually it's because the left is pushing something. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that's not Latino. You, right, know? Right. Uh, you know, like Latinx. You know, there's a new one, Latin E or Latin or something oh, like that. You know, it's like these white leftists keep trying to put us in a box. <laughs> anyway, I'm digressing here. We've got a great show. We're going to start with segment one when leftists attack okay you know i'm gonna start out with this john and and, yeah. and i want to get your take on this max eastman a writer and radical leftist political activist from the 19th century you know the the, the turn of the 1800s and the 1900s that was kind of his heyday he said it's the ability to take a joke not make one that proves you have a sense of humor right what's your take Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. Look, um, one of the things you have to, if you don't have thick skin as a comedian, uh, you don't deserve to be a comedian, especially a stand-up. A stand-up has to have a lot of thick skin. Like one of the people that I always thought should have never been a comedian was Chevy Chase. First of all, I don't find him all that funny. But, oh, hold on. Are we talking about um, because there's a difference between a stand-up comic? Right. And a, uh, well, he was a little bit of both, but he was he was a Saturday Night Live player. People remember. Then he became right, a right, right, star. Right. He was the first big, big, big graduate from that. Right, right. But I like throughout his career, there's all these instances of him losing his mind over what he perceived were bad jokes about him. I remember Howard Stern driving him crazy when he first started calling him. Him and Gilbert Gottfried would drive chase crazy by making jokes like you know 
Um, and then like there was that phone call that somebody recorded of him freaking out at the director of, uh, what was it? Um, uh, Community, I think that show about an old guy going back to college or something on NBC for a while. So he just struck me as someone like, why is this guy a comedian? He can dish it, but he can't take it. So in other words, uh, the only time I will sit there and uh, judge a comedian by how good they are is how they handle hecklers. Yes. To me, it's pure magic. When a comedian can handle a heckler naturally, I'm like, it's like an end of a player. God's given him talent and he knows how to use it. You're right. And listen, um, I'm the first to say stand-up comedy to me is a revered art because I can't do stand-up comedy. I'd like to think I'm a funny guy. I like to think that in personal interactions, I make people laugh. I can certainly take a joke. I rarely get angry at someone making fun of me. Um, but to be able to get on stage and deal with hecklers in a funny manner, in an efficient manner, um, I, I, I'm not that quick. You know what I mean? Right. But it's also the exact opposite in some cases. For example, one of the funniest comedians in terms of being underrated in the comedic world he was probably well known by everybody, mm -hmm. but in America, he should have been known by more. And it's the guy who had the drug OD, Greg something, Greg Girardi. What was his oh, name? Oh, Greg Giraldo. Greg Giraldo. Great comedian. Awesome. He comedian. sucked in every sitcom they gave him to try to make him a star. Right. Well, the, yeah. it, was a, it was a running joke on uh, Tough Crowd, which was the Comedy Central show that he was actually awesome in. Because he was all the same type of New York comedians, Colin Quinn, Patrice O'Neill, Jim Norton. Rich I remember Pons, that. I remember Greg Geraldo. But, 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 but that, that wasn't a sitcom. I right. Mean, but they, would, had, but like, they would make fun shots. of him. They would make fun of him. <gasps> like, because they would say like, oh, you're, he would say something like, I got to leave early today. And they and someone would joke like, why is it your 25th failed sitcom that you're <laughs> heading off to? You know, like they would. Well, you know what? They, yeah. George Clooney had like six or eight or maybe up to 10 failed shows. So you never know. There's yeah. a certain guy right now who's going around. I can't remember who he is, but he's been like a sitcom, a sitcom, a sitcom. Yeah. Know? And sitcoms are a different beast, right? They're, they're, that's more of an acting role. But stand-ups like Geraldo, people forget he was a Harvard graduated lawyer. He was a smart that. dude. And when people tried to get on him intellectually, he would cut them to shreds. Um, and he was quick, very funny, very, very biting, very certain type of humor. So if you can't take it, don't be a stand-up comedian. If you get offended as a stand-up comedian, you should have that title stripped of you. Like um, Bill Maher, as goofy as he may be sometimes, is another great stand-up comedian. You can't offend him during his act. For the most part, he's fearless. So whether you find him funny or not, he does his job as a stand-up comedian, and, and you got to respect that. Yeah, so, Bill Maher's like kind of like that dry humor for me. I, I enjoy him. I haven't seen him in decades, so uh, I'm referring more to his little rants that he goes on during his show. But we're going off schedule here a little bit. Yeah, Let's yeah, get yeah. Back to earth. You yeah, talk yeah. about the Netflix is a joke festival that saw yeah. Dave Chappelle attacked by a man with a uh, weapon shaped like a gun, but that actually was a knife. A knife could pop out. It, it actually looked like something that had a bayonet on it. Almost. Yeah, that's, that's know, a like, yeah. So he was attacked by an individual called Isaiah Lee, 23. Mm -hmm. And he went around running around the video screen and they quickly grabbed him and gave him a beat down. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, after the attack, Chris Rock joined Chappelle on stage, grabbed the mic and asked, was that Will Smith? Right, right, yeah. See, <laughs> See, those are, that's brilliant comedy. Yes, that's and those are, those, those are true comedians because I yeah. think 
uh, Will Smith and Jamie Foxx, of all people, came running out to help yeah. Chappelle. And supposedly, I, I didn't notice it on the tape when I watched it, but I read some reports that Jamie Foxx got in on the beatdown of the guy. Like yes, he was yes, one of the yes, guys yes. who got in and tried to tackle the guy. Um, and Dude, Chappelle, I've seen that happen in the military. I've seen yeah. guys jump on one guy and the guy's getting beat up until about six or seven. Usually yeah. it's uh, sailors. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. They come over and they pound the guy. And yeah. It's always somebody drunk. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and listen, so you have to give him a an extra pounding because when you're that hammered you don't feel pain oh you don't feel pain and who knows if you're on drugs or whatever but also Chappelle isn't the guy that started out his comedy career 20 he's not the skinny little kid anymore Chappelle is pretty buff if you look at him now you could tell he he lifts he's he's kind of cut yeah John 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 I can tell you this I I, I, I'm taking over 10 years of uh, self-defense courses and I can tell you I'll run (laughs) <laughs> but if I'm pushing a corner, I know how to defend myself. And yeah. what I learned in, the, in those in the training, the average human does not know how to fight. Oh, agreed. agreed. So, 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 just because you work out uh, doesn't mean uh, oh, I, 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 I to, to take on a guy. So, so luckily he was there because there's also the shock. I'm a we're either right. fight or flight. I'm a flight guy. That's why MMA guys get into. Uh, get into a situation with somebody on the street it, it, it's it's an, i mean they're, they're gonna get destroyed yes because absolutely. at the end of the day uh they know how to fight i remember i had a cousin and he was a boxer this was back like in 86 87 and uh we were just you know moving around like that he wanted me to do him to show him and there was just a couple of little tricks that boxers use right and boom i was down and out you know he oh, goes i'll never get in a fight with a boxer yeah. Well, the, and the other flip side is I was a wrestler. I was in a few scraps. Mm. As a wrestler, I could take somebody down who was bigger or I could keep myself from being taken down. Because this is the other thing about fighting most people don't realize. It's not standing up, moving around. Usually within seconds, you're tackling each other, trying to get leverage. Uh, as a sailor who uh, couldn't handle his liquor, sadly, <laughs> I learned both the hard way and, the, and I, I got oh. my punches in every so often. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And that's what you learn quickly. It's if you don't know how to fight and, and you go up against someone who does, like I don't claim to be, especially at my age now, I don't claim to be a fighter anymore. But I oh, wrestled I wrestled in high school and college. You know, it's like I could drop people on their heads if I... now. Would I do the same against another wrestler or another boxer? Probably not. But if someone bum exactly. rushes me, I, I yeah, not an issue. I, I'll choke them out. But but the issue is that when you're on stage, the last thing you expect is exactly. someone to bum rush you. Exactly. Um, well, in his so, defense, Chappelle did continue his his set. Yes, true he, comedian. You know, he true handled comedian. it well. The police reported that the assailant was armed with a replica gun. To get more specific, and it can eject a knife blade when discharged correctly. Right. So to me, this was an assault. An assault yeah. with a deadly weapon. The Lee was taken into custody, but he's only facing misdemeanor charges. Today, the judge turned down his, his request to lower bail, which was already set at 30,000, which means what? What's 10% of 30,000? 3K he has to come 3K. up with? Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, you and I, we probably go, well, what's a big deal? But the truth of the matter is the average American doesn't have $400 in the bank. Right. Believe that's it. that's probably why they didn't bother raising it. They probably looked at his circumstances and they can't afford the three K anyway. Yeah. So but he did point. plead not guilty. Yeah. Uh later on in the week, Chappelle and then Chris Rock with I guess he did a little secret comedy show or something right. like a couple of days later, and they went and they talked about their assaults. 
Uh, and Chappelle wants the attacker charged with a felony. Right. But our favorite Soros back DA in Los Angeles, Jorge Gascon, said no go. Yeah. Now the question must be raised. I am into the identity politics in terms of uh, I know how that will work. Uh, this was a young black man, if I'm correct. Uh, correct. Yeah. He had been charged had he been white. What's your take? Oh yeah, anybody would have been charged. Now whether they would have been charged with a felony, look. No, no, no. That's what I'm asking. Had oh, he okay. Fight, would he have been charged with I, a felony? I honestly don't. I don't know. know. I don't know what constitutes a felony in that case because he didn't injure him. I don't think the weapon was out. Like he didn't. He didn't attempt to stab him. I don't. John, think. John, stop, stop. We're not lawyers. I can see that. But saying the weapon isn't out is like the assailant saying, "Well, I didn't fire my gun." <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. and believe it or not, that makes a difference in a lot of cases. Like yeah. if you're if you're merely it armed, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Well, whether it should or not, it depends I'm, on what the intent is. Isn't that why they say with intent? Sure, yeah. sure. We don't know the law, so I don't want to speculate on that. Right. But so here's should the he have been, you're saying should he have been as a matter of what what do we feel is what you're asking. No, no, not what we feel. Is what if if he attacked him with intent to hurt him, that's that should be a felony. And so if he attacked him with intent to do harm, that harm, well, I didn't mean to, to stab him in the heart. I just meant to get him in the side there, Your Honor. No, no, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying he wasn't stabbed. I don't think they said that he tried to stab him. That's why I'm saying I don't know if it was a felony because when I saw the video, I saw the guy tackle him, like spear him with his body. But well, I let me put it to you this way. Would, the, would they have charged somebody attacking the president like that, throwing his ass in jail? Oh, of course. Well, then what the fuck, what the hell does not Dave Chappelle get that same uh, 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 right? Because we know that not everybody's treated equally in this country. And I don't think, it, uh, and, I don't and, think, and, I, and, and, no, I agree. I agree. I don't think the it's black and white. Is, I don't think it's the, black and white. I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know if anybody would have been charged with a felony if they weren't in, like intent comes from also action, right? So if he didn't attempt to stab him or cut him or shoot him, I, I don't know but that John, that's a felony. He may not have been within reach yet. Yeah, maybe that's why he was running around. And Nobody then he saw the other two jump in. Didn't he tackle the security Chappelle? system would get to the guy before they even had a chance? Yeah. Right. He would have never made the stage of security. Right, right, right. Yeah. But the point is, I can't see prior to the last 10 years, I couldn't see somebody not being properly charged because of the intent. Well, they, they, what did they charge him with? Battery, possession of a weapon with intent to assault, unauthorized access to the stage area during the performance, commission of an act that delays an event or interferes with the performer. That's a weird <laughs> one, by the way. Huh? <laughs> that's a weird one, the, that last one. Well, yeah, and that's what kind of makes it a joke. Yeah. Uh, I was say like, um, so here, here's, here was the quote. After reviewing the evidence, prosecutors determined that while criminal conduct occurred, the evidence is presented did not constitute felony conduct. District attorney spokesman to the Hollywood Reporter. And let's give a hat tip to the Hollywood Reporter, Abid Rahman and Seth Abramovich. I've heard of Seth Abramovich before. I've read his work. Uh, I think he's a hardcore leftist. Dave Chappelle provides new details of attack at secret stand-up show joined by Chris Rock on stage. Uh, now, here's the interesting and here's where I want to get your take. And uh, Chappelle convinced venue security to allow him to talk to his alleged assailant. He asked him what prompted the attack. The assailant says, 
He was trying to get attention about his grandmother in Brooklyn who had been forced out of her neighborhood by gentrification. The attack was meant to draw attention to her plight. And 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 Hinckley uh, uh, murdered John Lennon over Jodie Foster or something, right? Yeah. You know, hey, Your Honor, I really didn't mean to kill him. It was just to get attention. Jodie Foster's attention. Right. I'm innocent. I mean, that's what we're getting to with, with some well, of these. And Chappelle did say the guy seemed like he was mentally. Oh. Well, I was going to say clearly, even when you brought up the uh, Hinckley case, clearly you're dealing with people who are mentally unbalanced. Like he, he didn't attack Chappelle. Like, I mean, See, how, so even if he, like how would a logical person at all conclude that committing this would bring attention to your grandmother in Brooklyn, right? It's, John, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't think we can no longer say these are nut jobs because the whole leftist attack mode through BLM, through Antifa, through the Bernie Sanders nut job killing, they've crossed the line mentally with the encouragement of the Democrat Party. Because when you don't condone something and you look the other way and allow it to happen, you, don't con you mean when you don't condemn, condemn, condemn I'm sorry, condemn something and condone it, it just exponentially grows. In this case, I'm blaming the Democrats because it is mostly Democrats. Uh, 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 most of the uh, uh, ones on the right, they are nut jobs, that lone white guy, you find out he's been you know, uh, uh, disassociated with uh, 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 society for a while. So yeah, I do blame the left on this. They allowed the, the Oscars, I blame the Oscars on this. You know, Now, uh, speaking of the Oscar after Will Smith, uh, incident happened of, uh, of blatantly attacking an innocent Chris Rock for making a great joke. <laughs> Comedian stated it would be open season on them if nothing was done to Will Smith. Nothing was done to Will Smith. One month later, Chappelle's attacked. I'm one of those believers. I think it goes before Will Smith. It goes, it goes to about the time Trump got elected and all the violence talk started. And even before then with Bernie Sanders, we've seen a shift since Obama. The big thing was Obama's gotta be protected, all the haters. Well, it turns out it was the exact opposite. The left, remember, we're talking about a group of individuals who didn't attack a, 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 a cowboy in Missouri or Mississippi for wearing an Obama mask, but they ruined his life. So there's been points that have been, that have led up to this point of now we're, it's open season on anybody who disagrees with somebody else's view. So you could be walking on the street after somebody hears a podcast and get attacked by somebody and, and oh, it's a nut job. Is it yeah. really now? Is it really, or just they know that 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 Eric Williams and the DA there and in Philadelphia and LA, they know they won't be charged. People see, I give people more credit than what society wants to give it. It doesn't take a smart man to realize, well, they're letting everybody else out. They're going to let me out. I've been babbling here. What's your take? Well, this is this is sort of like, there's a lot that goes into what you were saying. So first of all, I'll, I'll say this. Comedians, especially stand-ups, being held up as targets for being on the edge of commentary, what, whichever side you're on, is nothing new. That goes back, even, look, uh, those of us who know about any time in history had there been two attacks within a month of a comedian oh, saying the joke. Well, listen, uh, Lenny Bruce would get attacked all the time. He'd get Physically arrested. Attacked? All the time. Yeah, he'd get arrested. He'd get thrown in jail for for saying uh, "sea sucker." You know, he would say "sea sucker" in a club, and he would get yeah, arrested. And Jim Morrison was arrested for uh, showing his mic. Think thought it was his penis. Those are exceptions to the rule because society was no, different. But, but, but I'm, I'm talking about. But I'm saying it's like it's not. It's not necessarily 
I'm just stating, it's not like it's never happened before. It's happened to some degree or another. It's been happening. Not like it uh, has the, the past 10 well, years. Listen, what's been happening lately that I think- oh, 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 Let me pause you real quick. I'm not just talking to tax big, John. I'm talking about the cancel culture. Comedians can't even perform. Yeah. Well, I'll, it, a lot of comedians do say that, by the way. So yeah. uh, very famously, Jer Jerry Seinfeld said, I'm never playing another college again. He said that a couple of years ago. He said, Chris Rock came out Chris, and followed Chris Rock team. said he might do the same thing because he said, I, you just can't perform for these people. Joe Rogan had an Indian uh, comedian on, I don't remember the gentleman's name, young guy, starting out. He went to Columbia University, New York, an Ivy League school. And he started doing his joke. And halfway through, they turned off the lights on him and asked him to leave the stage because oh, they wow. felt he was being anti-woman, right? And this is, again, a comedian. So th th to that extent, I think you're right. I think we're becoming more and more humorless. I don't think it's necessarily specifically since Obama or Biden or whatever. No, no I'm I, saying I, it's ramped up since about 2010, I, about 2012. Uh, probably even before that a little bit, because yeah. I, I could definitely remember even during like... Um, the shoe being thrown at Bush by a reporter, but of course that was... That, a, was, that was overseas. That was can't go by that. And throwing a shoe is very specific to Arabic culture, but yeah, like, yeah. for example... Okay, okay, hold on though. So do comics have to rethink their jokes for fear of being hurt? Okay, hold on. Should they? Or I'm sorry, do comics have to rethink now, it's a two-parter because should they have to rethink? And two, if they do rethink it, are they being true to themselves as a comedian? Um, should they rethink what they say? My gut answer is no, they shouldn't because then they're giving in to intimidation. The mob. Yeah. They're giving in to the mob. So would I be more prudent? Like I would insist that the club had security. I wouldn't, especially if I'm someone that uh, is making what is considered uh, insulting jokes if you're if you're part of that genre, right? Yeah. So and it's not just Chappelle, right? Uh, Tom Segura is a big comedian that said the same thing, and he said, "Look, I'm a big guy. You come up on stage, I may not beat you up, but he goes, I'm going to put up a fight. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ex athlete. I'll Dude, I'm up. five seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like you, you may beat my ass, but I'm gonna get one or two. You ain't gonna come up here. And just right. Count There's a lot of comedians who are taking that sort of defined approach, and I applaud them. Yeah. Um, should they change? Absolutely not. Um, what was I agree. I agree. And are they being true to themselves? I think that's a lot trickier to answer because, for example, if you look at some quote alternative comics like Janine Garofalo, um, right? Like I don't particularly care for her. She's but her whole, her whole shtick was, oh, I'm an alternative comedian. I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say that. The question is, how do they feel? And believe it or not, I'm not, I don't know specifically about Janine Garofalo, but I've heard a lot of comedians and comedians especially say, we're not going to say certain things because they're offensive and maybe we've gone too far, which to my sensibilities is crazy. Like it's, it's the same way that certain journalists call for censorship. Because exactly. It, it's, I, it's I just like, don't you, get it. I don't you get imagine it. Richard Pryor, George Carlin, no, no, Chong. These, no. these, these are, this is why people, John and I are like, no, you stick to your guns because George Carlin stuck to his guns. Richard Pryor stuck to his guns. Cheech and Chong, when they remember, they stuck to their guns. Listen, believe no. it or not, and I could see some students of comedy out there saying but J big john william didn't richard Pryor stop using the n-word didn't he stop saying 
you know, at some point he decided he wasn't going to use the word anymore? The answer is yes. He, he, he did stop. But get why did he stop, though? He stopped because in his own experience, he came to a revelation. That famous bit that he said he went to Africa, he was out walking around in Africa, and he looked around and a voice in his head said, do you see any N-words out here? And he said, no, I don't. And he said at that point, he decided that never in his life would he call another black man the N-word. Well, he was that wrong was, because a lot of Africans call that their marriage. No, no, but blacks. I'm saying that was that was his revelation. Yeah. So anybody who says, well, Richard Pryor gave in to societal pressure doesn't know what they're talking about. First of all, there wasn't that pressure in the 70s and early 80s when he came to that revelation. But it's still not there. A black man can sit there and use the N-word. Like, yeah, uh, but that was, Richard's, that was Richard Pryor's own truth that came out. It wasn't put on him by any societal pressure or any idiots protesting him. So are you true to yourself? No, I don't think you are. Unless, unless you were never a true comedian to begin with, unless you were never a true stand-up comic. Gilbert Gottfried, again, he died recently, obviously, but Gilbert Gottfried, when he was alive, when you listen, he did not care who he insulted. As a matter of fact, he made it a point of insulting everybody. Uh, he was Jewish, always with Jewish jokes never stopped talking about uh, making fun of the Jews. God knows how many Hitler and Holocaust jokes he made. He was oh, no, I get it. I get it. Right? Oh, well, well, speaking of that, then, Dave Chappelle does nothing to stray away from his beliefs of LGBT, yes, transgenders. Good for him. Good and, for him. And, and I, I get a sense that he doesn't like them, not because he doesn't like them. He doesn't like how they're permeating through Black culture, through well, society. He said that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, do you think that is this an escalation and the result of Chappelle not staying on a Democrat plantation and being a proper overseer with leftist narratives? Because no. that's what it boils down to. No, that's what I, I, think I don't think this. Oh, dude, they tried to cancel him because of that. No, no, I, I understand that they tried to cancel him, but I don't think it's because he was under strict orders or anything. I think. No, 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 no. no. They, 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 I'm being sorry. I, I understand that. But, but this particular, I think, black, that's expected. I, I think this particular, this specific attack was just a crazy person. I don't think there was any political motivation behind it. That's I think a fair he, point. I think uh, he was I can't just argue nuts. that. Yeah. I can't now, argue that. in general, when Netflix employees tried to get net, they tried to pressure their own company into dropping Chappelle. And to Netflix's credit, they said, we are not dropping Dave Chappelle. You know, I have, they, I've had a change of heart since then. You know why? Because Dave Chappelle, like Adam Sandler and a few others, are probably the ones that they can count on for millions of downloads. And all their woke shows that they keep canceling like a month or two in, uh, and they've done a lot of canceling. They just canceled a $100 million project with, 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 with that idiot. Well, they just uh, lost, a lot of, they lost a lot of subscribers, their stock price. Well, yeah, yeah. But my point is, they're in bad shape. I don't think it was about standing up to the woke as much as, dude, these numbers, just, yeah, 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 just, just quickly, well, quickly give them the, the pink slip and start writing them up. Get well, well I, I don't disagree with you that there was a, certainly a financial consideration, but for whatever reason, um, it wasn't, there wasn't a knee-jerk reaction like, like a lot of companies have had in recent years to just agree to the mob for whatever reason, right? That's I, I think it's because of the downloads and he's also black. Yeah, I'm sure it, that it's gets easier them a to sit there and, and, and take a white guy out because everybody gets happy. You're probably yeah. right in that it gives them a little bit of protection. 
Oh, but at yeah, the same time, listen, I saw a report from a local station in LA on the internet. It was, uh, you know, I think it was ABC. I, forget, I may have been in LA. I could be wrong, but the reporter was reporting on the Chappelle attack. And at the end, it said, and Dave Chappelle, of course, is a famous stand-up comedian who, who makes controversial jokes and has yet to apologize for jokes against transgender people. As if she was intimating, as if he somehow deserved to be attacked because he hasn't exactly. apologized for any of his jokes, which I ripped to shreds on Twitter. I was like, why would you even bring that up? I don't because care. She, she's a word that Joy... Exactly. I don't care if Chappelle was on there in the middle of trashing tra transgenders and was attacked by a transgender activist. I don't care. Much like I don't care if Will Smith was upset that Chris Rock was making fun of his wife's bald head. I don't care. When someone is a stand-up comedian, even if he isn't, if all he's doing is talking or she is talking, there is no justification, zero, for any sort of physical attack. You wanna yell back at them, that's fine. You wanna heckle them, that's fine. You wanna walk out, even better. But there's no justification. And that's, to you. now I'll jump on your side of the fence a lot. That's where I find the left has lost its effing mind. It used to be 25, 30 years ago, that the conservatives were the ones trying to silence people. Conservatives were the ones who were pushing family values and were trying to uh, put labels on rock albums and were trying to like get the Dixie chicks to shut up because they were anti-war. Like, I you mean, know what this does, John? It actually shows what the conservatives really want. They would go overboard. I'll be the first to, to, to concede that. But we do need to keep the lid shut on certain things until a certain age or, or for societal uh, norms to be civilized. But comedians are the ones that, hey, none of that pertains to it. Because when we, when John Madden came out, the John Madden game on Sega Genesis, the military's identity politics, blacks hang with blacks, Latinos hang with Latinos, whites in the hang with whites. It's self-segregated in the birthing. That's just a fact, people. You want to call me a liar? Strange, then you're by the way, with that- And that's societal. So that's, that's societal. sociological. Yes, right. yes. No matter so, how much uh, people want to avoid it, it's true. But, yeah, but Madden, brought us all together. And when we played Madden in that birthday, I mean, even officers would come down every once in a while, the younger ones, the answers, the Lieutenant JGs, uh, and they'd always lose. So they kind of stopped coming down because within that ring, everything went. Now we treated the officer with respect and all that across the line. But in Latino and black cultures, you don't say mama jokes, yeah? And whites tend to get beaten down and they know what they can and can't say. But inside that little ring, every, everything, was it go even the whites right. towards the blacks once the black started cracking on the whites then the white would start cracking and it all stayed there you know and that's how the comedic world is meaning like you said it doesn't matter what they're cracking on it's a joke so let's end this with three questions for you one of them is going to sound silly but you yourself said it a second ago leftists have lost their minds you know <clears throat> so first is this new justice system that we see in Democrat urban areas, I'm talking about the big cities, specifically Philadelphia, Los Angeles, New York City. Commit the crime, don't do the time. Is this what we're seeing? I mean, is this Dave Chappelle incident all part of that? Because remember, it, it was not the LADA's office that charged him with the four misdemeanors. They referred it to the city attorney who charged him. The LADA said, we're not touching it. There is no felony here. What's your take on that question? 
Well, specifically in the Chappelle case, I don't know. But in general, you're seeing the pendulum swing the other way, I think. So especially since minority communities are typically the ones involved in drug, drug offenses and things like that, um, that, for a long time in this country, the pendulum was on the other end. They were getting overcharged, over, over sentenced, and things like that. Actually, now, they were. They well, were. What would happen, it was just disproportionate. Were. It was disproportionate. People have no clue what they're talking about when it comes to that Clinton crime bill. The, 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 the I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking were about extremely Clinton. high. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm not talking about that specifically. I'm saying in general, like if the pendulum's supposed to be here for justice, right? Initially, for for things like drug offenses and things like it would be up here. Like people would. I, say, I will concede that to a right? point, but I am more like you with the pay to women. There's a lot more data that people aren't looking at. Oh, so here's my it. issue. My issue is they're guilty. The problem to solve it isn't to incarcerate them. It's why is this happening? See, why they, is they, it they a crime to that. begin? Why is it a crime to begin? No, no, with, I'm but... not talking about a crime. If it's a crime, it's a crime. Period. That's a different topic to talk about, to look at, you know. But the question is, why are these crimes consistently being committed, and what can we do to change it? We always look at changing that from a wrong perspective. I'm not, and I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong, but that's a different issue. Well, but that what, shouldn't be a crime. If that's beside the point. It is a crime right now. But, but, like what, but what I'm saying is, I think what you're seeing now is the, that the pendulum has swung all the way to the other end. So whereas before you were getting ridiculously high bail, you were getting ridiculously long sentences for like for the same crime, even disparate among racial groups. What you're seeing now is the complete opposite. You're seeing bail reform. See, but ba I, but bail I reform get you. I get you. I guess I just disagree. It's not the exact opposite. It's just out of this world. You're letting people who are assaulting and killing others going out on bail. By the way, I'm not I'm saying, saying I agree. Uh, by the way, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying if you're looking at it historically, look, man, pendulums go like this until they settle in the middle, right? Now, now we've been moving left and we're more leftist than we've ever been in the history of this country. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can see it in the laws. You can see it in the uh, government, the size of the government. You can see it in the kickbacks, the lobby, everything. It just, it just, it, it, it's a free-for-all right now in this country. You know? And who are the victims? Uh, we are. But who are the idiots? We are, because we're the ones who keep re-electing these idiots. You know? Now, you said it was crazy and wild out there, and I kept pushing that. With a disinformation governance board. Yeah, it's, it's like that's something that belongs in Nazi Germany, you know, but Joe Biden and the Democrats have come I, up I with can't, it. I can't believe we're even. Exactly, exactly. With the disinformation governance board, maybe not today, but tomorrow, would they go after a Chappelle? Well, you sure. can't be talking about transgenders that way. Sure. And other comedians in this new culture? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I, I am one. 100% against any sort of I, I colloquially known as the Ministry of Truth. Um, you're trying to tell me Elon Musk buys Twitter, promises to let everybody on who wants to be on. The only speech that will be disallowed is the one that the law, like that officers give them a warrant for, right? Which is the way it should be. That's the way Gab is, for example, right? You're trying to tell me less than a month later, the plans are announced for a Ministry of Disinformation, Truth, whatever you want to call it. Um, please, it's it's transparent and it's obvious. Okay, now it's politics. Who's in charge right now? The Democrats. Well, it's illegal. What do they get to do? What do they get to do? They get to put out an agency. Now, how will it survive muster? I, I hope so. not. 
unless but you never know because what if they what if they make it a we don't have the power to censor anybody but we have the power to inform people when there's been misinformation out there so we're not going to we don't have any power to censor look, anyone look big john here's the problem is a lot of this stuff is having a backlash meaning all these things that were meant to get whites or equal equalize or whatever they, the term is equal, it's coming back to bite uh, black and brown Americans in the butt just it because it's does. the law. It always does. Exactly. And I think that this disinformation this board, the only hope here was just to get it going, meaning it sticks in the sand. They they know it's not going to go anywhere. They just want to keep that stick in the sand to keep it in place to eventually add to it. Because that's how government always works. Right. Yeah? Because once you pass something, you'll never get it unpassed. This has right? not been passed. This was just no, but deep. I'm saying to your yeah. point, yeah. once something... And, and, like Milton Friedman used to have a catchphrase that was actually clever. He said, there's nothing so permanent as a temporary government program. Exactly. And, and that's exactly is. what this is, right? So look. But this could be the first temporary one. This is so over the top. Uh, I think this will, you know, it's kind of like inflation, kind of like a bad economy. There's certain things you just can't lie your way out of because uh, it's just that obvious. But just here because, because people generally speaking are ignorant. So for example, I'm against the FCC. I don't think there should be an FCC, all right? But how did the FCC start in this country? It started out regulating frequency bands. It was, right. just, it was just a technical office that was meant to say that two stations couldn't operate on the same signal. So but you they didn't, didn't want them to, yeah, yeah. But there was right. a legit reason. But what right. happened? But what's the FCC now? It's a censorship organization, right? Exactly. Essentially, it's become a censorship organization. I miss so, the days of uh, revolutions every 50 to 100. Yeah, it's almost like you need it because all of a sudden, but people forget that. So when you ask them about the FCC now, oh, we need it. We can't have children watch yeah. bare breasts on television. Oh, it's the too big to fail. Well, it's mentality. Not, it, yeah, no, 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 it, just that mentality. It's, I mean, we rule it, everything. They want to keep the status. My point is they want to keep the status quo as they grow in power. You know, oh, and of what course. I mean is yeah, yeah. one of those classic things, John, 15 years from now, uh, that everybody talks about. We're gonna look up and go, what happened to all our rights? I've said that all along because I've been screaming about this stuff for 25, 30 years. And it's like, um, you know, I'm a free speech absolutist, right? So as much as uh, like whatever you thought of the Dixie chicks, it was ridiculous for people to try to kick them off radio stations. And what did I hear conservatives tell me back then? We're not doing it. The government's not doing it. Private entities are keeping it. And it was, that was the case. Right? The problem is, is what's happened since Obama got elected is there the corporations are, are just caving in and people are going to have to rush out a so, great topic on this. He talked about multiple times uh, because he had a lot invested in it and he whittled it down to like a couple dozen people on Twitter acting as a thousands because they they sent this to other advertisers. I think they lost one or two and the advertiser that they lost carbon something when the backup. They lost a lot of wealth at the, with, their, with, with their products value after, after uh, they Listen, left Rush. It, 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 like, again, I'm old enough to understand all these things. Do you remember Married with Children? The oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, happened, what, what, actually, what actually saved Married with Children? At one point, there was a woman in Michigan. Her name was Terry Ricolta who started a campaign. She said, I walked in and my children were watching this filthy exactly. show, yeah. blah, 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 right? And she wrote all the advertisers and all the advertisers sent the letter into the Married with Children producers and said, unless you change this, we're going to pull our support. Do you know what they did? And credit to Fox 
network, which was a new network at the time, and the producers, they said, we're not changing anything. As a matter of fact, after all, like Pepsi and all those guys pulled out, they doubled down. They made the same raunchy episodes, and they started charging twice as much for advertising time. Right, because it was a popular show, and that's like Rush. And Rush guess what happened you, with? Guess what happened within a month? All the their advertising was back. sold out. Well, yeah, that advertiser came back. Carbon something. They came back to Rush. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, and that's what advertisers need to do. But this not what advertiser. It's it's what com- so corporations should right. do. They need but to I'm, stand their ground. Right. But I also I agree with you. By the way. But I'm also trying to illustrate that it's always happened, right? In 87, it was the conservatives trying to shut but down John, their children. Stop, Today, it's the stop. liberals trying to... It, it's, 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 it's technology has exponentially grown uh, these, these, it's these easier, outlier it's easier, Like this woman being an outlier back in yes, the, in the 80s. Do. It's now it's and that's what Rush was talking about. How technology has occurred. Curses. We, as I've told you before in different podcasts, we are still in the Wild West. All this will calm down, but it's gonna take a pushback and the pendulum swinging back a little. And that's starting to happen. All right, question number two. What happens, Big John, if the next attack is successful? On any oh my, oh my goodness. That yeah, I you see that I don't know. Like oh I know the pendulum will completely shift. It will be a nuclear uh uh, uh going off. Well, yeah, the left it, will lose everything. I listen. You'd hate to say, "Well, I hope so," because you don't no, want no, to. No, see I don't hope so, but that—that's that, what would happen. Yeah, I'm saying, like, obviously, you don't want to see anyone attack. Would it shift the pendulum the other way? Oh, we're th- I'm talking elections. Uh, 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 for example, these no, it's not going to. No, no, I don't these think these DAs will. Sh- they're winning right now. But with the economy failing, with inflation, with crime high, it's it's kind of like. It, it, and that's what I'm referring to. It, it's never one issue. It's a combination of all these bad issues. Yeah. So I think in this era, in this moment, not when I say era, I don't mean the past few years. I mean, this moment, since Joe Biden became president, if there's another attack and it's successful, the Democrats are toast because they've gone from winning the election to it's been downhill. And that, that tends to happen because it's cyclical. Well, it's cyclical. And I was going to say, even if you pulled it away from national politics and local politics, like, look, uh, I grew up in New York in the 70s, which was a waste town. Like, you couldn't walk through Times Square without... Yeah, crime was, is what got yeah. Giuliani elected. Well, yeah. And it was like about 15 years of that before Giuliani got elected. New York, of course, being a one of the progressive capitals in, in the United States, went through all that. You know, like the old... That's how... Look, if you look at it culturally, what what... Uh, gave Clint Eastwood new life. It was when he started playing Dirty Harry. What was Dirty Harry? Dirty Harry was a cultural reaction to the lax enforcement of law in big cities, right? Dirty Harry, the guy who would just shoot the guy dead instead of bringing him in, right? We need more Dirty Harrys. Right. So my point is, I've lived through these cycles. And then when Giuliani got in, after 10, 15 years of Giuliani's nonsense, it became too oppressive what are you talking about Giuliani got the crime down I mean that that was his whole show he got he got the crime down but then it went too much in the other direction right so then it was like no because no, because because this is what oh, I look please, at I, William I no. lived through it for example they started no. shutting down they started shutting look, down the only the thing that came out of Giuliani was a stop and frisk meaning that his old holdover from his era and when you polled black communities this is what the media never talked about they're like, we love stopping uh, stop frisk. Why? It's unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. That was never taken to court to see if it was unconstitutional or not. It was never taken to court. 
They just pulled it because Giuliani was no longer the mayor. What was it? Bloomberg probably at the time, if I'm correct. Uh, but Bloomberg, we, yeah, Bloomberg followed. Yeah. Is Chappelle the greatest comedian of his generation? Let me give you a hint from my perspective. I say yes, only just for example, I like Bill Burr, but you can tell the man holds back. And, and, and Burr holds correct. back? Oh, God, yeah. I've seen every one of his shows and, and on Netflix. And what I'm saying is he's holding himself back. He's not saying certain jokes, certain ways, certain things. And to me, it kind of taints him because he's so good. I'm like, fucking just be yourself the whole time. Well, and don't get me wrong. I love Bill Burr. Yeah, You've yeah, never seen his F is for Family. Yeah, I've seen uh, it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. America, watch it. It's yeah. hilarious. And it yeah. shows life as it was in the 70s. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because the Bill Burr I got to know in New York because he's Hold on. Hold on. Before we get the Bill Burr, yeah. he's Chappelle, the greatest comedian of his generation. I, 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 I don't know if he's the greatest comedian of, of our generation. I would say he's one of the top three. Definitely. I can't but argue. There I is no say, greatest. It's I opinion. would say Chappelle is in the conversation. Chris Rock is in the conversation. Um, for me personally, Patrice O'Neill was in that conversation. I mean, who are still alive. Oh, who are still alive. So Chris Rock <laughs> would definitely go in there. Um, uh, Chappelle definitely would go in there. And then there's guys that you find, you know, that are in there, you know, like um, a lot of people may or may not know him, but every other comedian cites him as a godfather is David Tell. Uh, he's Ooh. a certain, David Tell, he's a certain type of comedian. No, no, Dave, you say kind of a Dave? Dave Attell. Attell, Attell, okay, I've heard of him. Yeah, he used to do a show on comedy called uh, Comedy Central. I think it was um, Up After Midnight or Up All Night, something like that, where he would just go around to bars. And like a lot of comics, when they say, well, who who would you get your cadence from? They'll all say David Tell. But in terms of public perception, I would say Chappelle, Chris Rock, those old enough to remember Eddie Murphy might say Eddie Murphy. uh, You know, I thought Eddie Murphy was too vulgar for me. I mean, I'm a saver. But I yeah. just thought, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll never forget he had one segment about taking a dump and having half a dump. And I'm like, really? You got to go down that road? I mean, even I'm saying it. It's like, come on, man. Anyway, let's wrap this up. I found it a little surprising that you agree with me more in terms of the pendulum, the attacking, the yeah. comedians. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's because the com- the comedian the comedian is untouchable meaning laughter is the best medicine and if we can't laugh at ourselves who can we laugh at I and certainly now, hope so now leftism only wants comedians to make fun of conservatives that's the only except I mean I, I'm not even sounding far fetched but that's kind of what it's boiled down to the yeah, reason I, they may not to shade Dave Chappelle is because he attacks everybody and, and see as a Latino and you look at me and I'm white I have white relatives black relatives brown relatives. When, when a comedian attacks every race, I crack up because to me, he's not holding back. But I do get turned off when a comedian only attacks one side. I'm like, I don't have time for this crap. Everybody's an asshole. You know, attack them all. If not, you're the racist. Look in the damn mirror. You know? So with that said, I said I'd give you the last word I lied I to. <laughs> but let's move on to a topic I know you weren't too thrilled about, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah, and the, sure. And the public seems to love it. And 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 I would guess you don't care for it too much because it's kind of trivial. But this is what society with too much tech and not enough time uh, 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 to do anything worthwhile, but too much time while you're in right, basement. Right. Ryan Tannehill and mentoring. Yeah. John, do you have it there with you? Do you want to tell the public what was the exact quote? I, I think um, it's in there. Um. 
basically Tannehill. Uh, so the Titans drafted Malik Willis uh, to be the quote possible quarterback of the future. And people just assume he'd serve an apprenticeship for a year or two under Tannehill. And Tannehill's quote was, I'm not here to mentor the guy. I'm not here to mentor him. Which yeah, apparently said, we're competing against each other. The reason I want to read the quote is important because I believe it was okay, taken go out ahead, of context. Go ahead. We're competing against each other. We're watching the same tape. We're doing the same drills. I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me along the way, then that's a great thing. Yeah. So what everybody heard is it's not my job to mentor him. I just wanted the audience to hear it all right, in context. Right, right. Okay. Hearing it that way, Big John. Was he was he being a jerk or was he just being honest with like, hey, it's not my job to to, to, to help the guy replace yeah, him? Yeah, it's it's tough for me to say, and I'll tell you why. Um, I grew up, I I came up in business um, on Wall Street, uh, and Wall Street is the most cutthroat arena you could ever ever like you know short of being part of a drug cartel i think there's nothing more cutthroat than working on wall street in the pits and the traders pits on the traders desks right um everything you saw in wolf of wall street is true by the way oh i believe it I, i've yeah. read enough i've read enough articles to understand it yeah. uh, especially i could only imagine uh and maybe you were there for part of it i was how bad that industry was during the Coke frenzy. Remember when, oh, when, when Coke uh, in the 80s just exploded on the scene? I, I, I caught the tail end of it where I would, I was, I was a naive, like young, what, 23, 24 year old starting out on Wall Street. And uh, I go into meetings where people would just lay out bumps. And before the meeting started, they would all take bumps. Now I'm, at, I'm, I'm um, straight edge. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. Um, and they looked at me like I was some sort of freak because I was the only one who was straight. But then they figured out I was the only one who could make decisions because I was straight. You know yeah. what I mean? So that and helped me. And all of a sudden, you became the person. Talk to John. He's straight. He'll well, I, I, I became the manager because everybody yeah, else was yeah. too busy. You know. But my point being that even in that environment, my managers raised me, if that's the right word, to say you always train your replacement. Always because that's what's the best for the company. And in training your replacement, you're improving not only the company, but yourself, because people will recognize your value. Now, I agree, John. That's old school, the exact same way. but that's but old school. On. The caveat, it's not, it, it is old school. It's, it's how it should be done. However, sports is different. I, I was going to say, now how much- sports, do, You're not training somebody for the betterment of the company. You're training somebody- to take who, your job. Who, who could take your job yeah. now that said that happens in the business world a lot yeah. but it's different when it's one position on that team and they tell you you got to train your replacement you know I, now i, I don't the audience yeah. joe montana refused to work with steve young brett Favre, i ain't helping him oh, man, that was famous that was like yeah, yeah casey keenum with dwayne haskins now i highlighted this and i want to get back to it but not right now yeah. uh, uh keenum the Dwayne Haskins, Tom Brady to Jimmy Garoppolo, Flacco to Lamar Jackson, and well, then endeavor to Drew Locke. I was going to say Tom Brady with anybody in New England. He didn't want yeah. to even want to bother. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, yep. Ben Roethlisberger to Mason Rudolph. And let's go back to somebody who was once my idol. I looked up to. Uh, 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 I loved the dad just because he's a jolly guy. He's actually 
uh, got a seedy side of ignorance and stupidity to him. And I'll give you a hint. Hollywood Henderson said he couldn't spell caddy. He spotted him the C and the T. Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. He's a big hypocrite. Yeah. Today, he'll talk about this, that, this, that. Well, back then, he was an a-hole towards Cliff Stout, Mark Malone, and David Woodley, publicly and privately. He didn't want to train. People don't realize Terry Bradshaw had a terrible relationship with his head coach, Chuck Noll, the final couple of years, because Terry had an elbow injury that was extremely, extremely, extremely slow to heal. And people, back then, there was not, what did they call it, arthroscopic surgery? With yeah, arthroscopic that, that, that wasn't around back then. They had to literally cut everything open. Well, he wasn't healing right. So he wasn't being friendly towards his backups because Chuck Noll was ready to move on. But he's one of the biggest jerks of them all. My point being in all these names is that it's not unheard of. No, so it's Kurt not. Warner comes out and says, I will never understand the I'm not here to mention the next guy mentality. For all you young QBs and blah, 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 blah. But his whole point, yeah. I, I can't understand it. My take with Kurt that I'll forgive him is he's that uber fundamentalist in a good way. He knows not to throw it on you, but he, that's who he is. And I think that's where it comes from. But I'm like, Kurt, your whole NFL career was an outlier. I understand what you're saying, but you're wrong. What's your take? <laughs> but like I said, it's tough for me to say because um... – I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you about the... Oh, hold on, stop. What? Don't take it from your Wall Street perspective. Take it from when you were a wrestler in high school, and that's your what coach I'm saying. says, I want you to train your replacement. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, I understand the competitiveness. Look, me personally, I always sat with the guy who was behind me. I always sat with my teammates, and we talk about stuff. But because, we're from an era where that was usually regulated by our coaches, wasn't it? Uh, to some extent, yeah. to some extent, yeah. but it's also the personality, the like the way you said, Kurt Warner probably feels the way he does. And listen, in his career, Warner did act as a mentor to a lot of people. Eli, oh, Mack, yes, Mark yes. Alger, all these guys, right? Yes, he, he did. He yes, he did. Now, said, you know, I didn't put it in the notes, but what I did discover, he was not happy when they benched him and put Eli. Eli in. Oh yeah, because he was and, winning, and, and he he kind of made some comments there. So he did, Mister. Pristine here wasn't so innocent, and trust me, I there's no better human being in the NFL yeah. from an outsider looking in than Kurt Warner. So I say it with half jest, but he, he the thought he would have the black there. Right, Warner thought he would have that whole season with the Giants, yeah. and then he figured if I mentor Eli, people see that I'm a good teammate, then I'll go somewhere else and I'll start. Um, and he was upset that they only gave him half a season, basically. And he, yeah. they were winning at the time. They had a winning record. With yeah, it was Warner. like five and three, if I remember. Some, right. Or six and two, something like that. And, th and then they then they benched him. But um, uh, so I understand that. My, pers my personal personality is I will always give help to anybody who asks me. That's just the way I'm wired, right? So I don't mean it to sound like a good guy. But if you show me, hey, can you show me how to do this? Oh, no, John, I'm in agreement. You know yeah. me. I've talked about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. My role yeah. in my job, the mentor. Yeah. But again, I pride myself on looking at the big picture, understanding things from, or trying to understand things and most definitely looking at it from every angle. And yeah. So case, I, don't hold, I don't hold it against Tannehill. If that's your question. I don't hold it against him. I don't think he was being a bad teammate or anything. I think he probably though, just from a PR perspective, he probably should have kept his mouth shut. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah. Some things is like, just, just, why'd you say that, bro? Yeah, just, just nod your head and say, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll mentor him, whatever, you know, and then oh, he didn't have to say, I would, I would have said, said, well, technically it's the coach's job to do the yeah. mentoring, but I'm there also. 
you know? I am also there also. Uh, uh, we're in the same room together. I go, at the end of the day, this is my job, and I plan on keeping it. But if I get hurt, I still want to win, so we can make it a playoff. I mean, there's so many ways. He said it just – I got what he said. You got what he said. So did some players. There he is, Butler. This what y'all fake mad about today? Tannehill is 100. I love these Twitter talks and talking. You know, by like, the way, is that your black accent? Yeah, that's right. I guess so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what y'all think mad about today. Tannehill yeah. is 100 right here. He has one job: be the starting quarterback for the Titans. If he chooses to mentor Malik Willis along the way, that's good on him. But by no means an obligation. John, I don't know how to pronounce it. Joe New is it Joe New Smith or John? Oh, uh, John New Smith. John New Smith, former yeah. tight ends. Uh, uh, former Patriots and Titans tight end. And Darius Butler, for the record, Patriots, Panthers, and Colts safety. So these aren't, aren't players who had one or two years only. Right. So Johnu Smith, it's a highly competitive league, folks. I'm sure Lil Homie know that. <laughs> I got to repeat it because I don't know if I can understand myself. I'm sure Lil Homie know that. And if he didn't, then he doesn't belong. Ryan, one of the best teammates I've been around at any level, and he didn't mentor me, but I damn sure learned a lot from him. To me, that's a perfect answer because based on what you said and what I have believed, that's actually how it happens. But here's an important quote. It's from a head coach. Yeah. Meaning these are the guys who probably want their players to mentor. Mike Tomlin, successful Super Bowl winning Steelers head coach. You know, it's good when it occurs, but it's certainly not necessary, Tomlin said. That's why we have offensive coordinators, quarterback coaches, assistant quarterback coaches, people who are employed, and their sole focus is the development of players. See, to me, that's my take. And to me, reporters stir up the pot because they know this, but they don't want to go down that road. So poor Ryan Tannehill, and I'm no fan of Tannehill. You know me. I've talked about it. They overpaid for an average QB. He's a great – he's what you call that, middle-of-the-road NFL starter. And they get so I am no fan of his. The quicker they get rid of him, the quicker they can go to a Super Bowl, you know, but it's not going to happen. So those are three important takes. We've talked about the quarterbacks. I want to ask you a few questions here. Uh, A couple of comments first. Tannehill did text and welcome Willis. Right. Tannehill was not told by the team they were drafting Willis. So you talk about some disrespect. That's disrespect because I'm a communicator, John. Uh, uh, My employees used to tell me, damn, William, you do tell us too much. But that's the military cross training, you know, in the loop, you know, we're not trying to be malicious. It's all up front, you know. So he wasn't told by the team they were drafting him. I thought that was wrong by Rabel and the general manager. And at the conclusion of the 2022 season, the Titans can move on from Tannehill's contract. His contract is is not salary cap friendly this year. So even though they were looking at Watson and and, and Rodgers during the offseason, they were just window shopping. Right, right. Really, there was not, if you thought there were no takers for Baker Mayfield, at least he has the, I'm still young. Tannehill's 32. Willis was drafted towards an eye. Uh, Willis was drafted with an eye toward 2023 sure. or beyond. My questions to you, brother Girthy John, uh, is, uh, let me grab it. You've already answered as a team leader if it's a responsibility to mentor his successor. Right. Tannehill did say, what are your thoughts on this? And this is probably why he said it without thinking. He th- That whole press conference did not deal with Malik Willis and mentor. That was just like an off-the-cuff question thrown at him. The whole press conference was about Tannehill and that devastating. And it was a devastating loss. Sure. And, and this is his second season. 
or third season where they were really in the mix, seen as serious contenders, and this was their quickest exit. Tannehill just came out of a dark place, thus showing he has his own issues to worry about versus a backup's needs. Do you think because of the situation he's in, it was an unfair question, and the situation he's in, he has no business even thinking about mentoring outside of worrying more about his own play? Was it a fair question? Yes, it's a fair question. Um, and should he be thinking about it? Yes. Like, you can't have it both ways, right? If you think you don't need to be a mentor because you're competing for a job, then you shouldn't be surprised that you're competing for a job. You know what I mean? You can't have it both ways. You can't say it's not my job to mentor him and he shouldn't be going after my job. You can't have it both ways. So no, 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 he's not saying that. I'm talking no, no, about but I'm saying like if you said it was fair and I said, yeah, it's a fair question. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's a fair question. Um, okay, and so it's a fair question, but are the fans and players who a lot of players came out and criticized him? I didn't write them down, but they're in the notes, you know, uh, a lot of some big name players and it wasn't just Kurt Warner. Uh, but do you think these players, I believe they are, and especially the fans, I think they're on their morality soapbox versus would they actually mentor the replacement? Uh, I'm not saying they wouldn't, but nobody knows. It's easy to be on the soapbox of morality sure. and doing what's yeah. right. Especially, what especially if you're a retired player, it becomes very easy. Um, look, I look, I, I think this is way too much of a big deal. Like, I, I, I think it was a fair question. He answered it incorrectly, in my opinion. Like, like we said before, you should have answered it a little bit more tactfully. Um, and I think that people who, but the people who are outraged that he said what he said are ridiculous. You know, of course he's, if he, if like on some level, I could almost respect the fact that he's so competitive that he won't even give you the, the, the politically correct answer. You know what I mean? Like oh, he's yeah. so competitive that he's like, no, I don't plan on ever seeing that guy start like Rogers. Why do people assume it's okay for Rogers to say, screw Jordan love. I don't care what happens to him. Oh, no, no, like, they attacked him too. But but it seems like the Ryan Tannehill attack really. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, like that. it's it's yeah. I, I okay. think it's overblown. Final question, and it's it's not based off of Tannehill or mentorship, but it's it, it's tied in. Tannehill's only thirty three. Theoretically, he could stick around for another two to six years, based on uh, where we're at technologically and, and, and what 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 players are playing up to now. His contract salary is cap friendly after this year. To me, all that is beside the point. Because my question to you is, can Malik Willis, as raw as he is, even be ready for the 2023 season? No. I don't think so. What do you think? You think two to three years minimum? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I'm I mean, unless something crazy happens and he's like a super student, like, uh, you know, like, I th look, reports were that the Seahawks didn't even consider him because they felt he wasn't anywhere near NFL ready, that he's got oh. crazy athleticism, he's a good athlete, but he's nowhere near ready. And that's why they didn't even take a John, late round pick on him. Do you think it was just the Seahawks? I mean, the kid dropped in the third round. I think the teams actually had him properly slotted. It was the media, the racers. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't I don't do I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I just think it was the Seahawks were the only ones who verbalized it. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll yeah, that's yeah. why. So you have to cite the people who actually admitted to it, right? So yeah. they said that on their board, he was nowhere near NFL ready. So I, I'll take them at their word. That's why they didn't take yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw a lot of racial arguments on on social media. Yeah, I don't uh, think that's the case anymore. I don't look. The, no, but that's my point is yeah. this had to do with skills. Yeah. Nothing to do with race. But that's how things go in the in this new yeah, world. I, I think that's I don't even know if that's an actual thing because like right now there's no stigma around being a black quarterback. Look, honestly, Dude, stop, stop. Justin Fields, every black quarterback that's come out of the last two to three years, if they're not starting or in line to start. There's a faction that's saying it's because of his skin color. And my take is, dude, they drafted him to start. No, no, just because no. they don't put him in there on day one doesn't mean they don't want him. You know, it's no, just no, like I, I, what, what I'm saying is I don't think being a black quarterback is a detriment now. If anything, it's a plus, like because they the, the perception, whether it's lazy analysis, like we talked with lazy Tom analysis, Tom, is what it is. But the perception is that black quarterbacks are now the most capable ones of running these RPO motion offenses, right? So I don't think it's a disadvantage to be a black quarterback. So I don't think the race thing had anything to do with it. Uh, like, nothing uh, to do with I, it. I think it, like most so you said, yeah. So, like, you know what's funny, John? Ready. We are entering, actually we already entered it. Players are the biggest and the fastest they've ever been. Yeah. The days of the pure rushing quarterback are over. Case in point is Lamar Jackson last year. He's only been in the league, what, three, four years, I, I think. But the kid's taking a beating. Yeah. And it finally culminated last year. He missed serious time. Then, and when I say serious times, key games. Kyler Murray. That's the more perfect example because yeah. he didn't I think, run it all last I year. I think Russell Wilson. This is why I love Russell Wilson. I love Not because he has a hot wife. I don't know how his wife is. I just said that. I've seen pictures of him with women. I'm like, damn. But anyway, uh, uh, he's just the prototype of quarterback who knows when do you, he, I guess, pocket presence beyond anybody at his age, you know? And then, so, so, so you look at him and then you look at Patrick Mahomes, all the rave reviews we heard about him, the year he wasn't starting and how Alex Smith was mentoring him and this kid's going to be ready. And on the flip side, we don't hear that about Trey Lance, small school, you know? So, so there's things that individuals can pick up on. And that's why I agree with, with, with Tom, Tom Casal. It's just lazy analysis. You right. got to look at each situation. People were shocked. I, they weren't black. I had some, some Mexican friends who were here in Cal Southern California, whether they're Latino, but Mexican descent. When they saw Andrew Luck running, how big he was like, damn, I don't think you could run. Well, maybe if you actually read an article instead of just being a Sunday viewer, thinking you're freaking John Madden analyzing every game, you would know. And everybody you know? thought that Griffin was uh, Oh, and Griffin was a rusher, but what they didn't realize is he was a great Griffin pocket was rushing to his detriment. Yeah. This, and that's why he's out of the league. His yeah. body took a beat down, and then he lost confidence. I thought if Griffin, and, and again, we talked about this two podcasts ago, Griffin's downfall was a product of Daniel Snyder, Mike Shanahan, and Robert Griffin himself. But I don't blame Griffin as much. He was a young, mature kid. Yeah. Daniel Snyder gave him too much power and say uh, by having the ear of the owner. And Mike Shanahan didn't do enough to protect him and teach him to be a better pocket uh, pastor. But that said, we're in agreement. Malik Willis, naturally gifted, naturally talented. He has uh, some, I think, a minimum of two years, two to three years. But that said, I think they'll bring him along slowly, and he'll be that 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 what's the term that that that, that trick quarterback, the guy that comes in every so often. Yeah, a trick, a slash, a slash, a, a slash yeah. quarterback. Yeah. And there you have it, people. John believes it is a player's responsibility, and damn the torpedoes, they better mention.
<laughs> I'm kidding. That's not what John said. But uh, we both agree that he and I mentor, but sports yeah. is different. Yeah. Let's move on to a topic I have yet to see anybody who is not a Black American talking about this, and that is the Black News Channel. Now, John picked this topic. I was a little shocked. I tossed it up there. As everybody knows, I'm into the identity politics, my grandmother being Black, my mother be looking like a little Korean Asian, me looking like uh, some people say, are you Asian? Are you this? Are you that? Are you white? Yeah. So anyway, I found the Black News Channel fascinating, and here's why. We're short on time here, so I'm going to give it a quick rundown and we'll get comments back and forth. Well, I guess my first question to you, Big John, did you know there was a Black News Channel? No, that's why I found this so fascinating when you brought it up as a potential topic. I, I Look, I was aware that um, on my cable system, we have uh, Fios here in New York. Um, there's something called All Black, A-L-L-B-L-K, All Black. And that's the Black it's like BET TV, you know, like okay. black entertainment television. It's another channel that only features, you know, uh, black centric shows and topics and stuff. And I was aware of that channel, which I thought was kind of weird. Cause if you have BT, all black seems to be, you know, when you told me there's like the black news channel, I was like, wait a second, not that I'm surprised it exists, but if I didn't see it in New York, I'm figuring where would I see it? You know what I mean? Um, well, let me give so you a little I was shocked to know it existed, let alone that it folded already. I had heard of it when it first came out, and then I forgot about it until I read, uh, 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 I read, you know, that it was going under. I don't watch Black networks. I don't watch Latino networks, meaning right. novellas <laughs> and things like that. I watch them when families in town and they want to watch it. Right. I watch what I like, and that tends to be more Americanized type shows. Right. You know, uh, it was originally launched in 2020 as an independent cable news channel, and it was founded to give Black culture uh, a, 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 a greater reach, greater perspective, because they felt it was underrepresented, underrepresented on legacy cable news channels. And when right. I say legacy, I'm talking about cable. You, know, right, the, right. you have the four networks, if you count PBS, then you have cable, not counting, and, and, and satellite TV is part of that cable process. Uh, and they want to reach the larger audience with stories that showed a, a greater perspective uh, about who Black America is. Ironically, it was backed by a minority. And here's the sports tie, the people who say, y'all need to be talking about sports. Uh, it was the largest investor was billionaire Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shahid Khan. The channel launched after Khan made a $50 million investment in 2019. That made him the majority stakeholder. CBS Media Ventures was brought in to partner in with advertising sales. Right. Now, here's the problem, John. They had limited distribution. They were in about 52 million homes, but they were not top tier. Uh, I'll have you explain that in a moment. In contrast, CNN and Fox News are in more than 80 million homes and they are top tier channels. Do you want me or do you want to explain to the audience what a top tier channel you is? You might as well go ahead. You're, you're on All right. A top tier channel is when you sign up for cable, you're paying for certain packages, whether right. you like it or not, period. CNN and Fox News are part of those packages. It's kind of like the golden goose. So if they're in 80 million homes and they get a quarter for every dollar, you do the numbers. We're talking multi-millions here. It's how they can afford to stay in business, how they can afford to go full-blown leftist and lose their audience. You know, and I say that about CNN because Fox makes a killing in advertiser because they're the number one 
they're always competing to be the number one rated network on all of cable, you know? So they were in limited distribution, 52 million homes. They weren't in top tier. So that means their sole way of generating revenue was through advertising. Right. Which by the way, which by the way, that's where network TV is too, right? Advertising. Right, right. But I would imagine they are top tier in some sense, but they're free. They're the only three that are free. ABC, you can put rabbit ears on and you can listen to those three networks for free. They're free TV. Cable isn't. You have to pay for cable. Yes. You have to keep the label level you know but that said i have seen the wars where call your uh a uh, uh, satellite dish ship because they're not gonna have channel eight cbs you know one of the freebies out there right, right, right. so it's a very convoluted uh process but at the end of the day cnn fox and espn for example they're top tier we pay for we're keeping them alive as conservatives and libertarians even if we don't watch these liberal networks we're keeping them alive that in airports for cnn however its founder was J.C. Watson, another individual, but the key player here is J.C. Watson because he's a black conservative. And he wanted this to focus, again, uh, 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 black Americans culturally. Uh, now, here's the kicker. They started out as a full-blown leftist network, but all the pub, all the stories that originally started with this were because J.C. Watts is a Republican and a conservative. So, they're, I'm assuming their competitors left this networks now. It's like they had a black eye from the get go. Even though they were full blown leftists when they started and ended, they were seen as a conservative. I, I heard this one uh, young black man uh, who has one of these gray uh, 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 substance groups, for lack of a better word, talking about, well, it failed because it was JC Watts, it was all conservative. Mark Lamont Hill, Charles Blow, those are the two biggest names, and they're not liberals they're hardcore socialist loving leftists who hate everything white i mean that's pretty much their world kelly wright fred hickman sharon reed aisha c mills some of these names i've heard of some of them i had to go research them you know me i research everything you just check some of their twitter accounts they're leftists you know so it was a leftist dream if you're uh, 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 uh if you buy into the democrat narrative and it got nowhere at one point, John, they were they had, they had an average viewership of ten thousand people. K for Phil's heyday, the company I used to earn, we were twelve million a month, sixteen million viewers a month, and this was back in the early late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, when the internet wasn't even what we know today. Right. So to see these numbers, is it a wonder they failed? And that, and what actually piqued your interest in adding on to what you were talking about earlier with this story? Well, there's a lot of things that piqued my interest. First of all. When you decide that you're going to be appealing to just one very specific demographic. 13% of America. There you go. That was going to be my point. You're, in essence, like, look, we're talking, you know, there's going to be liberal, white, white, uh, guilty white liberals who will tune in just because they feel they're supporting a a cause. Fair enough. But it's not, it's not going to amount to anything. So one problem is you're excluding, for the most part, nearly 85% of a potential audience by saying, you know, look, Fox does the same thing when they say, well, we're basically appealing to conservatives, because that's half the country. Um, uh, Same thing with um, uh, CNBC, for example, right? But here's the problem. 
there's there's inherent virtues and vices in both those approaches. So for example, Air America, which was supposed to be the answer to Fox a couple of years ago, failed miserably. And they had uh, that that was about 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, now. and that and Wait, they had but, but hold on. So the audience understands Air America was their slew of radio shows mm -hmm. uh, going on the air and, and it, it flamed out almost immediately. It was the, a horrible failure. Yeah, it was a complete failure. And they had their top top people on what people oh yeah yeah hardcore top hardcore yeah. leftists it wasn't right. just like oh college kids went on and talked yeah. stuff it, they had their whoever they had that was famous like maddow and those people right but the whole so, purpose was the counter rush and the flurry of the hannity's that were coming into the world yes that, absolutely. that populator was just surging yes so here's what we've learned conservatives are much more likely to sit and watch a rush a hannity a fox news then liberals are going to sit and watch a CNBC, uh, a CNN, listen to an Air America. It seems to be something in their makeup. No, not at all. It's, I, I do, think, statistically, you're right. But you have to remember, the reason these shows were able to explode is there was no venue for them before they came into existence. And Fox News Channel, even though there's OAN, it's still very limited. Newsmax is mostly through uh, its app. You know, it, it, it's still limited. At the time, Fox was the only conservative network. You know, Rush was the only conservative speaker. So these people got to explode. And because we have been shifting center left since the 60s onward, and why Trump became president is there's a lack of leadership out there for conservatives. That's why these conservative bastions have exploded. And to an extent, are still succeeding. Leftism is still too fragmented. That, and I don't have proof, I've never bothered to look it up, but something in my gut has always told me, conservatives are the ones who will actually go buy it. I will go buy a product to support a company. My friends who are leftists will not, um, you know, to their own it's, side. It's kind of weird. And, and I just have yeah. anecdotal evidence on that, but yeah. I see it a lot. It's kind of weird. Like I, I, even though like yourself, even in marketing, I couldn't tell you exactly why that is. For example, I think that leftists, liberals, however you want to describe them are more likely to boycott somebody than they are to support somebody. Exactly. Yeah, they're angry. They're just born angry. Right. So for example, the latest thing is nobody wants to, uh, like they're not letting Chick-fil-A's open all over the place, right? Because they're allegedly anti-homosexual. Um, even though Chick-fil-A was the first uh, restaurant chain to go feed the victims and the families. Actually, they've uh, won those core uh, battles. Um, Mayors have come in and said, you're not going to build here. And yeah, yeah, so so I, I, I might be convinced to agree with you in terms of, yeah. But I'm saying like, I think it's also the makeup of people. Like you said, if conservatives are better off financially, they have more disposable income, so they're better able to support the sponsors of the shows they tend to watch. Oh, not at all. John, there's just as many, I know just as many poor conservatives as I do. Rich no, no, but I'm saying if you look at conservatives, especially true prior to Trump, conservatives had a higher medium income, I think, than the average uh, liberal who tended to be a union worker, say, or or a day laborer or something uh, You like know, that. John, I guess I can't argue that because I don't know, but I guess how I view the scope of things in a big umbrella, anecdotally speaking, leftist politicians don't give shit to charities. That's documented because they, they release out oh, the I don't know. About, I don't hold know on. about that. No, no, I do. This is fact. Okay, fair enough. It's but always, I'm... hold on, hold on. Conservatives do. And to me, that's a mentality of the average conservative. We'll give, we'll take, we give more to charities. We're more compassionate. 
but we're also in the belief of we're going to teach you the fish, not give you a fish. I don't believe leftists are compassionate. Ask Dave Chappelle. I don't believe leftists give. And I think what you see with a black news channel, 13% of the country is black. They were, it's a hard leftist approach. Mark Lamont Hill hates everything white. Charles Blow hates everything white. I don't care if you're a hardcore leftist. After a couple episodes, you, I got to turn this crap off. So when you have something that starts out with hate, begatting more hate, your numbers are going to diminish. Is my, I'm not saying they're right or wrong in what their arguments are, but when you sit there and attack one culture for one color, and here's why I say this. When I went to college and I graduated in 97, so I don't know if this data has changed, but 70% of Black-owned products like rap music and things of that nature were bought by whites. Yeah, of course. And my point is, you can't crack on your audience and expect to survive. Oh, I, I, yes, there's truth to that. But like, I did some quick research before the show just to see what it is. So, yes, the black population is 13% of the United States, mostly concentrated, about half of that is concentrated in the southern states. No, 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 mostly in urban centers. Yeah, but in the the south. Yeah, but it's in, in the southern, it's 52% is in the southern urban areas like Atlanta. You know, yeah, like yeah, very yeah, small, right? right? So, um, uh, and their medium, their median income is below the median income of the country at large. Uh, so, happened when you refuse to move from the city. But, but again, I'm talking about financial realities, right? right. So, the combination of a, a uh, the, the combination of a news channel targeting a very small minority of the population, thirteen percent. Then throw in that that thirteen percent of the country is is earning on average below is earning below the national average when it comes to a household income. Throw in that only twenty three percent of that audience is college educated. Not that that's the end all, but I'm saying. So when you throw all that stuff in there, your odds of success are already pretty low because your right. target your target look. Ad agencies in the early 2000s, and even to this day, what's their number one desired demographic? Oh, it's 18 to 35. No, but uh, ethnically. I'd say white, because that's the higher No, Hispanics. Hispanics are the number one targeted group right now. Why? They tend, they tend to move uh, concurrently. They tend to have the same cultural threads, even among the disparate Latino uh, and, cultures. Right, right. And we're also the fastest to use technology. At a, at a, right. At a so all these factors, do you think it's because uh, white, uh, white uh, owned businesses necessarily say, hey, let's be friends with them? No, it's because the Latinos open, uh, represent the highest earning opportunity, the highest growth opportunity for income earning in the United States right now. So they're the number yeah, one group. I see that, but at the end of the day, it's also about uh, your market. Why, why is, so, why is so, so if you're a black, hold on, so you're a black uh, 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 label of whatever, makeup, clothes, hair, beer, yeah, you know, yeah. that's your that's your demographics right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, but that's different because that's a service, right? So you're saying I'm law, like, for example, BET has a certain amount of success, and I don't know the exact Ooh. numbers. Uh, BET, Black oh, Entertainment BET. Television, yeah, yeah. right? But hold on. Who are they owned by? I don't know. They're owned by CBS, by Viacom. 
Right? No, 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 I paid under four billion. So, so fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm just referencing how a lot of these uh, were doing the research. A lot of black groups were angry and, and saying they deserved to fail because it was Khan who was a major stakeholder and not a black man. And I just find it ironic how many still support on uh, the flip side, they'll still turn around and support BET, not realizing that its original owner became a billionaire by selling well, it. Well, well, part, well, part of it is also that what does each one provide? Like BET for the most part is entertainment, right? It's not news. It's it's like, hey, we do sitcoms, we do dramas, yeah. we do miniseries, right? Whatever. And they, if they want to make political statements within the context of entertainment, they do so, right? Right. Um, but think about it. Like, listen, my, my mother is uh, over 80. She loves to turn on the radio and listen to the Greek station because it's Greek language. She doesn't have to think too hard. It tells her some news about the old country and she's happy, right? Yeah. In my right mind, I think Greeks make up like two to 3% of the population, right? But they make but up I, most I say, let's start a Greek cable network and expect it to be a monetary success. No, you could if you if, if you only had it for like the urban areas and understood your limitations. Well, it would have to. It would have to be exactly. It no, no, and that's a great segue because that was one of the issues that the critics pointed to that uh, they put more money into the staff once they brought in because Roland Martin was offered eighty five thousand. He said, "Get the hell out of here!" But uh, I'm sure Lamont Hill, Blow, right after they realized we got bringing some big names, they were. It was said that they put a lot of money into the staff, not enough money into the marketing and advertising, and uh, uh, that that was a, a reason that one reason why it failed. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that, that, that was a possible reason? Well, well, let, let's start out here. First of all, did it fail because it was linear, meaning only cable? They eventually moved on to streaming and doing apps and things like that, but they it, they were a linear, they were a cable network. Do you think that was one big reason for their fa for, for their failure? I think it it was probably a, a a decent sized contribution to failure is like because in today's market you have to be op, what they call omni-channel. It means everywhere the people are, that's where you got to be. So if that's the web, uh, social media, TV, TV. Look, cable right now is a legacy dying platform. Uh, more and more people are getting disconnected from cable. You know, John, um, I wouldn't say it's dying because they're still hundreds of millions, uh, uh, tens of millions of viewers. The problem is, is you got over, uh, 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 you got just fat TV shows with the salaries, the payments, the unions yeah. and what they charge. I mean, these are, uh, 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 to do a startup, it, 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 it's almost impossible as Black News Channel showed us. It's because they're bloated. They're over bloated with salaries. Right. A lot of channels are actually not doing the reverse. First, they become a hit on the web. They become a hit on the social media. They become a hit like something like that, uh, some sort of package network. Then they back their way into like Newsmax is a good example, right? Newsmax didn't start out being, hey, we're going to be like a, a cable channel. They started out being a website. They started out like TMZ type right. of thing. And I'm not even going to discuss the quality of their news, but I'm saying like just as a business, well, I don't watch them. They backed into the channel thing, right? Because they brought their audience with them. Well, so, actually, what helped them was they were, uh, people were looking for an alternative to Fox. That was their big spike. No, I, right? I get it. They went more rube than Fox, but that's okay. But what I, the point is, as a as a business strategy, they backed it. They didn't start at cable and then went outward. They started outward and went back backed into cable, which probably seems like the more prudent way to do things right now. So if I was like the Black News Channel, 
I would have probably said, make it a YouTube channel, make it a Rumble channel, say whatever you want there. Build but that was audience. a complaint though, John. That was a complaint by a lot of uh, uh, black leaders, whether women and men. Hey, actually, I'm lying. A lot of layman blacks, meaning they, 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 uh, the, some of the shows and research, they were getting opinions right. from everyday black Americans. And uh, uh, they, they were kind of saying that black news channel was no better than a YouTube show. And then they were really ragging on them because despite the big names, they had less than 10,000 viewers uh, uh, daily. Now, less than 10,000 viewers daily combined with putting money into the staff and personalities while ignoring marketing and brand awareness. You've never heard of it. I'd forgotten about it. Do you think those two things really kind of exponentially sure. created their end? Yeah, absolutely. That's a recipe for disaster because look, you've said it before with KFFL. Listen, getting 10,000 people to listen to you every month that's something like you aspire to when you're a startup on the web. Like, like when we started on the web, oh, it would be great if we had 10,000 people watching us or visiting our site or reading but our you, But John, let's not fool ourselves. Pat McAfee's extremely successful. And one of his bigger shows, he'll have 30,000, uh, uh, still in the low numbers. Right. I think we, we have conflated in 80 million homes or uh, 2 million followers. But when you look at how many people actually listen to the live streams, somebody have a million followers, they'll have 300 people, 500 people listening. Uh, to uh, understood. But I'm saying if you're on cable, you like right now, if you gave me and you a cable channel and said, here's a free access to this second tier, all you get is advertising revenue. What would be the first thing you and I would do just as entrepreneurs? We would promote the hell out of it. We would have sponsors lined up. And the last thing we would, we, we'd up production values, right? The last thing we would spend on is getting big names because the assumption is if you've heard of us already, the big names will follow, right? Yes. Right, we'll build oh, our own you know stars. What? That's a great point. I remember we were nobody when we started out. And I remember I was stealing cars from uh, Pat Summerall's agent down the road, you know, uh, NFL team GN, things like that. Yeah. It's because, and it wasn't because, William, you're a damn good looking guy. I want to talk to you. You know, it was more like the traffic the, and it was the news that report. We were so fast with public news. You know, we were Twitter on steroids uh, when right. it came to Adam. Before, before, before there was the Twitter, before there was Twitter, there was hot off the wire. Anybody yeah. out there like hot off the wire uh, now sounds like, well, what's the big deal? But back when William and his uh, KFFL cohort started, it, it was an innovation. Oh, and yeah. The fact that they were so good at it and they had like, like what, tens of or hundreds of people working on it at, at various stages, William, like providing news, entering it, publishing, editing. Oh, no, no, no. We're only a handful. That's what made it so tough. Okay. Yeah. And not until we started generating an actual profit. See, we put every dime back in. So we started to hire analysts because dude, I am not exaggerating. Thank God for the military because it kind of trained me. But I was working 18 to 22 hour days yep. at certain times of the season. And I'm not exaggerating, people. 18 to 22 hour days, not for one or two days, but for weeks on end. Oh, same here. Yeah. 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 So, so, okay. So things did not go well for the Black News Channel from the get go. You know, they ended up having lawsuits for gender, uh, uh, gender inequality with pay, sexual harassment, you know. Uh, uh, oh, before I forget, though. Going back to the numbers, BNC was tied with comedy.tv for second to last place in ratings amongst all cable networks tracked by Nielsen in 2021, averaging just 4,000 
viewers. That's amazing. BT averaged 364,000 viewers last year, which is 92 times BNC's viewership. But even that, BNC, that's not a great number. But yet they're backed by a multi-billion trillion dollar company in Viacom, so they can afford it. But the loss, there were lawsuits, sexual harassment, employee, former women employees suing the network, alleging gender discrimination and pay inequity. So you had, it's, it's, it's like from the get-go, this never uh, uh, was able to get off, cleanly get off the ground. I'm assuming you'll agree, but those issues also took a big financial blow out of the company and helped it, its doom come quicker than maybe it could have. Yeah, and honestly, I love when uh, these types of things start eating their own. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you want to be a woke company that talks about, like, you know, everything is sexual harassment, everything is rape, there should be... Uh, pay there's pay inequality which there isn't but let them think there is great fair enough like you want to run a company like that that's why i always laugh at socialists and communists who think they could tell starbucks or amazon or apple how to run their company one thing i learned john uh, in the military i was a grunt even though i became a supervisor in a sense you know you're still a grunt when you're wearing the the, the illicit uniform but when i owned kffl and after as, as it grew uh, uh and i we had employees and I realized the difference between management and the responsibilities because you're a bad manager and your company's gone tomorrow. Right. You're a bad employee. You're just fired. And the truth of the matter is the grunt in the trenches, and I used to think like this, but I was wrong. And, and this is something you learn in age is that uh, there's greater responsibility with management and the decisions they make than the people in the trenches. And I think doing this research that I saw a lot of people in the trenches right. saying they should do this, should do that. And I'm just shaking my head and, and like, dude, don't ever start a channel. They won't ever uh, uh, get off the ground. Right. But that said, John, the final question, and this is a Don Lemon uh, 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 statement, but I've heard it from many other Blacks, including friends. Well, William, you're not Black, so you just really don't understand. You need to understand what Black America is first. My take as a Latino Hey, brother, you're not Latino. You're not white. You're not Asian. So shut the fuck up then. And, and, and I say it like that because anybody can have an opinion. You know, anybody can talk. That's how we solve problems. That's how we solve uh, issues. I think it's the race hustlers of the world who make those comments to shut down conversation. So with that, and, and my take is if you're black, you want to talk about Latinos, knock yourself out. If you have, and football players are bad. Athletes are also bad for this. Well, you weren't a bad player, so you shouldn't be commenting. No, but I know how business run. I did play sports. I know what it takes to win. Right. You know, you're just at a different level. Right. You know? So with all that said, should we be talking about the Black News Channel being Greek and Latinos? Yeah. I've never bought that nonsense. I, I don't I'm buy so it. I, I, of course, I know you are. But I've never bought this nonsense that men should never have an opinion on abortion. Uh, white people should never be able to, to talk about black problems. Latinos shouldn't be able to talk about Asians. Asians shouldn't be able, but apparently everybody can talk about white guys. That, that seems to be okay. Um, so to me, that's nonsense. Someone once said to me, goes, who are you to talk about? I go, who do I have to be? Give me, give me some sort of test to take. Like, I love it when uh, like a couple of like, especially on my other shows where I would get like uh, people who would threaten me literally. And uh, they would say like, you don't know what it means to grow up black and go, really? Did you grow up in the South Bronx? Like I did. Exactly. And that's my whole point. It's like, what he's saying is he's actually crapping on your culture, your belief, 
who you are and say right. you're a nobody. You're a POS. Yeah. You have no right to comment. And that's what I find offensive. And oh. what makes it worse is they tend to be too ignorant because Latinos have made this comment too, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but it, it, it's ignorance. It's because you don't have an answer for the debate or the discussion. So you want to shut it down. Yeah, I'm, will, I'm, will, shut it I'm down. willing to accept that I can't experience certain things. Like I'll never, despite what woke people tell you, I'll never be able to experience having an abortion, right? Because as a man, Correct. don't get pregnant. So, so when a woman says to me, like, you don't know the pain of an abortion, you don't know the pain of giving birth or whatever the case may be, that's very strictly related to gender. I don't question them on that. I'll be like, okay, tell me what it was like. It doesn't mean I can't understand. It means I don't have a real opinion on it, right? You, you know what I'd say to you, uh, the other uh, line, I haven't used it in a while, and I just remember because our camera were talking about SCOTUS a, a little bit, is, uh, and it reminded me because I, I heard this the other day, because, you know, the abortion, we're, we're going to talk about that down the road, but the, the abortion and, and, and Roe versus Ray being rightfully sent back down to the state jurisdiction. Uh, but when somebody makes the comments, or you don't, you're a man, you know, this really? Well, if I'm correct, it was what? Was it seven or nine? It's, it's nine on the Supreme Court. No. No, so no, yeah, it was nine men who gave you the right to have an abortion. Right, so shut the bleep up. And well, I'm like you. According I'm just, to their opinion, they didn't know anything about it, so maybe that's exactly. So, 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 so it's wrong opinion. Let's go with that. Well, it's kind of like, like the yeah. uh, the uh, uh, what, what what was that decision that legalized slavery that said blacks were property. You know, it's like people are hypocrites. They want to look at it from this perspective, but they refuse. That's where I pride myself. I'm like, no. The Supreme President is 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 not forever. If that was the case, then blacks would be slaves still. But the Supreme Court actually helped. Uh, what's the word? Precedent. They, they were part of the reason we had a civil war was because of that decision, right. uh, the Dred Scott decision. If I'm correct, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it was just the concept that up until the Civil War. It became like uh, a state's issue where whether you allowed slavery or not. Right. And right. It, was, it had to do with going into the slavery, freemen, and the uh, uh, new territory. If a slave escaped dealt with the new territories. Right. He's still the property of his owner, was the yeah. original ruling. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so people who say that to me are the worst of the lot because they don't have anything in their quiver to, to debate. But we're repeating ourselves, Big John. I, it's a long show. Uh, to America, John and I keep working on our timing, our chemistry. We're still new at this. We're still excited. We take we've taken a step back, Big John, an hour and a half, but it's a great show. Yes, a lot of good stuff was, to talk a, about. It was an enjoyable show. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, you've been listening to Points on the Board. You know, we had a great discussion with Girthy John on the Black News Channel, Ryan Tannehill and mentorship. My lost love for TB, who can't spell cat if you spot him the C of the T. And obviously, Dave Chappelle is the greatest comedian of our generation because he speaks truths where others hide. You know, that's my statement, not Big John. But that said, don't forget to visit sportsgrumblings.com. We are going to be uploading some articles this coming week. I've been working feverishly on that. Right. And check out our page on our podcast. Feel free to share it. You know, that's how we're going to grow. We're going to grow with your help. Big John, tell the world good night. Good night, world. Until next time.